you would, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go to Joel chapter 2 and remain standing for the reading of God's Word. This morning we are beginning a series and we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is and the fact that He was promised to us. And so we're going to read now from Joel chapter 2. Joel's not easy to find, so if you need your uh, uh, table of contents, that's okay. That's not cheating. Get to Ezekiel, hang a right. We are going to look at Ezekiel 2, God willing. Uh, But let's go to Joel chapter 2. And let's look at how God promised the Holy Spirit. If you would read that for us. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated. Have you ever had anyone promise something to you and then not keep it? Something big? Not, you know, hey, let's do lunch or hey, I'll call you. I mean, something big. When I, uh, when I graduated from college, I was pretty tired and um, I decided to take a semester off from school before beginning seminary. I did, and I focused on ministry, and the ministry I was leading really grew. That next semester, January, I started seminary, and, and um, reading and stuff has always been real easy for me. Math, not so much, but reading and, and stuff has always been really uh, something I, I, was, I was good at. And so I, I sensed God leading me to go ahead and, and get a Master's of Divinity degree. At the same time, a a church had contacted me and asked me to come and be a part of their staff there and lead a similar ministry. And so I met with them and said, look, God's calling me to finish my master's degree. And they said, no problem. Not only will we give you the time, we'll pay for it. And I said, that's great, because seminary is expensive. So I started there in May, and the church was about 1,200 at that point. It's really kind of funny when I look back on it now, because it was in the middle school that I attended uh, when I was growing up, before I was a Christian, I was suspended from that school for 10 days once. And there I was back in it. Yes, Principal Dunn, don't judge me too hard. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was uh, life-changing. And so to go back and to begin to minister was awesome. But that summer, the church grew, and we went from about 1,200 to about 1,800 people. And the leadership came to me and said, look, we can't give you the time for you to go to seminary, and we can't pay for it. And it broke my heart. And right after that meeting, um, I was, I was, Carrie and I were going to get lunch, and she saw the look on my face, and it scared her to death. And when I told her, she said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to stay here or not. We just have to pray it through. Well, we did stay there, five and a half years. And we saw God do incredible things. And one of the incredible things he did was, even though they didn't provide the time, I started going to seminary at night. This is before the internet. Now they go on the internet, which I don't think they should be able to because I wasn't able to. (laughs) And I'd use vacation. So I'd use vacation and I couldn't afford it. So strangely enough, this guy who happened to be in a Bible study that I was teaching sent me a check for a really large amount of money and he didn't know why. So I contacted him and said, how did you know I needed money for seminary? He said, I don't know what seminary is, but come to my office and explain to me what's going on. So I went to his office, and he not only paid for my Master's of Divinity, he paid for my doctorate degree, too. God always provides for his plan. 
And we stayed. And God did so many things. But it hurt that they didn't keep their promise. You know one of the things I love about God? He keeps every one of his promises. If you will know his word, you will have a power because you will know what God has already said that he will do. And when you know what he said he'll do, you can pray for it and you can pray with confidence that it is going to happen. What we see in our text today is a promise that God made and God kept. He said that he will, he would, look at this in verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward, and we're going to talk about a little bit what that means, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Understand the Holy Spirit, write it down, was promised by God. Jesus said that he would come. God the Father in the Old Testament promised he would come. Go back and read John chapter 14 through 16. We don't have time. We'll have some snippets of it in this series, but go back and read what Jesus said about the coming of the Holy Spirit. One of the things you have to understand is that Jesus the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus, and then Jesus enables us to know more fully the Holy Spirit. When, when we're hiring staff, typically what we'll do is I'll, I'll meet the staff person, and then typically we'll have dinner, and I'll meet that staff person's wife, and they'll introduce me to the spouse, not necessarily always a wife or husband, and then they'll start telling me stuff about the staff person that I probably would have never known if I didn't have the opportunity to, to meet this person. So here's what happens. The Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus, and then Jesus pours out, and it's through him that we understand the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You cannot know the fullness of the Holy Spirit without Jesus, and you can never know Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus and Nicodemus had a conversation about this in John chapter 1, I'm sorry, John chapter 3, 1 through 18. We don't have time for that this morning, so go back and read it and make sure I'm not lying to you. But, so what the Holy Spirit does is he gives us new life. And in that life, in Jesus, Jesus then reveals to us, and through him, it is, he is poured out on us richly. Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3, 4 through 7, explains this whole uh, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Jesus to Holy Spirit. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. When a person comes to saving faith, it is by the work of the Holy Spirit. It feels like conviction. How many of you can remember when you were saved feeling an overwhelming sense of conviction? It's what happens. It's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. He's bringing you to life, regenerating you, generating, giving life to you. And a, an awareness of the life of Christ makes you very aware of your sin and makes you desire an entity, a way of dealing with and a healing of that sin. The Holy Spirit comes and he does that. Move on. Whom he poured out on us richly. So the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus and then Jesus through, pours out through Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Holy Spirit. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It is by walking in the Spirit, it is by living in the Holy Spirit that, that we know Jesus and become godlier. But this process of salvation, it's so very important. Understanding, and I'm gonna throw this up here. The process of salvation, the Holy Spirit convicts. We repent and believe the gospel. 
We are filled and sealed by the Spirit to abide in Jesus and to keep in step with the Spirit who works to make us more like Jesus. This is how salvation happens. Holy Spirit gives us life so that we accept Jesus. Jesus enables us to understand the Holy Spirit more fully. Now, we are in a time when we experience the Holy Spirit in a very different way than they did in the Old Testament and even during the time of Jesus. Let me give you three categories and let me just say, I'm gonna give you a lot of stuff today. God willing, we're gonna come back and we're gonna get more detail and we're gonna get down deeper into it. But I can't promise anything, all right? We're gonna do our best. Let me give you three categories, okay? First, understand the way the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. So just if you're taking notes, write down Old Testament and then colon and then put the word upon. During the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. Now during the life of Jesus on earth, those 33 years, the Holy Spirit was with the people so long as they were with Jesus. Because Jesus was incarnated by the Holy Spirit moving upon Mary. Check the terms there. It's during, it's, it's upon because it was, it was not yet fine. It wasn't yet the time of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon Mary as the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament. But when Jesus was incarnated, God became flesh. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ is filled. He is the Holy Spirit. His life is in him. So to be with Jesus during his life was to be with the Holy Spirit. Now, post-Pentecost, after the 50th day, and that's what Pentecost is, it's the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, R write this preposition down, within, within or in. So in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon. During the ministry of Jesus, he was with, so long as you were with Jesus. After Pentecost, within. All right, let me give you some scripture to make sure, so that you can make sure I'm not making this stuff up. So upon, Judges eleven twenty nine. 29. Then the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah. Take this word upon, if you use the ESV app, as I would recommend you do with your smartphone, all you gotta do is do a search, hit the search icon, type the word in upon, and then go and look at all the examples just in Judges, and you will see a consistency of how the Holy Spirit worked. He came upon people in the Old Testament. Now, during the time of Jesus, two scriptures, both out of John. The first one is, and we're not going to have time. I'm looking at my time. I'm just going to give you these texts, and you go back and make sure I'm telling you the truth. The first one is John 7, 37 through 39. It says, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Spirit was not in believers yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. He said, I have to go away. John 14 through 16, I told you to go back and read that sometime today. And you will see the promise that, that Jesus made about the coming Holy Spirit. But then he says something specific in John 14, 17. All right, I do want to look at that one, guys. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. That's Jesus. In that moment, he dwells with you. And this is Pettus. This is not the Bible. Because they were physically with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was dwelling with them because they were with Jesus. And will be in the future, look at that, in you. When will that happen? This was the promise of God after Pentecost. So how does he work within us? All right. Post-Pentecost, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 
1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. Next week, we're going to talk about the tabernacle, temple, second temple, and the fact that now we are the temple. Cannot wait. You got to be here for this one. But do you see the difference how during this time of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon? During the life of Jesus, with. Now, post-Pentecost, within. This was all promised by God. Now, all who believe are filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And this ba baptism pictures this. So if you're a Christian and you've not yet been baptized, it doesn't save you, but it is a step of obedience you're to take because it pictures the work of salvation. You have buried with Christ's baptism. Your old life is on. You've been washed. You've been sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit to be raised to walk in a new life in Him. Now, we are not commanded to be baptized by or in the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something Jesus does. Jesus immerses us in the Holy Spirit when we are saved. This is what Jesus does alone. I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. No human being can. Only Jesus can, the God-man. I'm not going to take emails on this. I'm not going to have a big debate about this. All right? Here's what I want you to know, what it boils down to. There are those who say that you do. Let me tell you the difference between what we believe and what others believe. It comes down to the way you interpret the book of Acts. The book of Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive. The book of Acts is describing the acts of the Holy Spirit and how the church came about. The acts of the apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit. The epistles, all those letters written by uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, written by Peter and, and Paul and John, all those letters, those epistles, those are prescriptive. This is how it works. The book of Acts is descriptive. And so when you're seeing this baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you're seeing the laying on because you had not yet received the Holy Spirit, Millard Erickson, one of my favorite theologians, describes this transitional period, all right? The book of Acts covers a transitional period since that time the normal pattern has been for conversion, regeneration, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to coincide. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you're saved. Holy Spirit introduces you to Jesus. Through Jesus, you are filled, you are identified with the Holy Spirit. He fills you and seals you. He covers you. You are completely identified, and that's what baptism is. It's an identification with God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. From verse 12, it is very clear that this one body is Christ. Thus, Paul appears to be saying in verse 13 that we become members of Christ's body by being baptized into it by the spirit. Baptism by the Spirit appears to be, if not equivalent to conversion and new birth, at least simultaneous with them. This comes out of Millard Erickson's Systematic Theology. I highly recommend it. It's 12, 1400 pages, very small words, very expensive, very helpful. Here's why I like Millard Erickson. He will explain typically three different views, and then he will show what Scripture says and will tell you to figure it out. I like that. Now, it makes it a whole lot harder, but it's good for you. It was good for me. It'll be good for you. So understanding that this is a time 
that there was the Old Testament, there was the time of Jesus, and now there's post-Pentecost, after the book of Acts. Now we have the Holy Spirit. And, and God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The Holy Spirit now has come into the world to give new life. Don't have time for this, but please go back and read about this. Understand, when the Holy Spirit came, he reversed the curse of, of, of the Tower of Babel. You know the Tower of Babel? Go back and read Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 9. And you will see the curse has been reversed at Pentecost. Genesis 10, you'll see the table of nations. What you'll see in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, those were the languages that the gospel was being preached in. It's a reversal of the curse. Understand that now Ephesians 4.4, can't go into this, he unites all believers. Understand when, when Christ returns, Revelation 21.27, the Holy Spirit's going to cover every crevice of the new creation. And there will be none who are not filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit who will be able to stand in the presence of God in the new heaven and new earth. Make sure I'm telling you the truth about this. Again, it is uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 9, Ephesians 4, 4, and Revelation 21, 7. So understand the Holy Spirit is like smells. He's like light. He's like sound. He influences. He illuminates. He reverberates. He has power. So write this down. The, the Holy Spirit has power and provision. And that's what we see in the last part of verse 28 and, and then all of 29. Verse 28, the last part says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the, on the male and female servants. In those, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. He's pointing to the future. He's saying something that is significant. Talking about the fact that men and women will be equal at the foot of the cross is overwhelming to the culture in which this was being taught. But understand that there is a difference in the in the way we experience the provision to some extent. Let me give you three categories, okay? And I wanna give you an explanation. Three ways that we experience the provision and the power of the Holy Spirit. The first one is the fruit of the Spirit. All right, write these down, I'm gonna give you three categories. First is the fruit of the Spirit. Then there's the benefit of the Spirit, okay? And then there are the gifts of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is what every believer in Jesus Christ experiences. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, I bet all of our children who go to Sunday school here can quote this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. No, no, what is it? Dang it, I had the song. Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Amen. So there is the fruit of the Spirit. This is true for all believers. Next week, um, I'm going to be on a field trip with some kids, sixth graders. Pray that I will have the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> or there may be death. Mine or theirs, I don't know. Fruit of the Spirit. All right, benefits of the Spirit. Okay, again, so much scripture here. I just want you to write this down. The benefits of the Spirit. John chapter 16, 7 through 14. This is not all-encompassing. It's not conclusive. It gives two benefits in this scripture, okay? I'm going to tell you the verse and tell you the benefits, and I want you to go back and make sure I'm telling you the truth. The first one is in verse 8. It says the Holy Spirit will convict. He will convict, and that's a benefit of the Holy Spirit. Second is verse 13. He will guide. He will guide. So when you need to know about a decision, when you need to know what is true, 
He will guide you into all truth. This is a benefit of the Holy Spirit that all Christians have. The third category requires explanation in detail. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every person who is saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit receives spiritual gifts. But we do not all receive the same spiritual gifts. So if someone ever says to you, unless you speak in tongues, you're not a Christian, you need to lovingly sit them down and explain to them uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. My wife has a certain set of spiritual gifts. I have a set of spiritual gifts. My gifts are faith and proclamation and preaching. And I am a naive person. My wife's spiritual gifts are discernment and wisdom. And she doesn't say much, but when she talks, everyone is quiet. And we want to know what she has to say. Now, why would God put us together, right? That's the way God works. He brings together those with different gifts, different personalities. And so it is in the church. There are different gifts, all for the work of the body. Now, I want to help some of you to, to, to never say something silly that some of you sometimes say. And when someone says something that is this silly, I want you to get them before I get them and say to them, don't say that, that's silly. I hear people say all the time silly things like, you know, I can experience God out in the woods. I can experience God out, out on the lake. I can experience God and I don't really need the church. I don't really need all that. And here's how that would matter if that were true, if it were about you. Here's the good news. It's not about you. It's not about me. God didn't save you for your sake. He saved you for his glory. He didn't gift you so that you could fulfill your dreams. He gifted you for his holy purpose and his glory. So here's the deal. I was in this Cooking for Hope thing Thursday night. There were a lot of ingredients that I did not understand. I did not really get why they gave us baby food and Pop-Tarts to cook with. I, I didn't get it. Still questioning the, the validity of that. There are other things I saw, like salt. You know what? In, in things, you need salt. How many of you guys like salt? Me and Asher love salt. But you can't get too much of it, you know? And some of you are salty. And we can only have so many salty people in the church, all right? But most of you are like sugar and honey, and that's why I love you so much. <laughs> but listen, everyone has an ingredient part, and here's what I want you to understand. If you're not a member engaged in a small group, in a service, I mean really engaged in this church, we have missing ingredients to what God's trying to cook up here. And if you say, well, you know, I can do this, and if it was about you, it would matter. It's not about you, it's about God. It's about you loving and fulfilling God's purpose in his church. So stop being selfish and get involved with the church. Be a part of his body. That's why he gifted you with the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is his provision. This is his power. Last, 
And the Holy Spirit is a per person with a purpose. Okay, take a, oh, we got one minute. Go to the left to Ezekiel, all right? You're thinking, go left, what's he talking about? Go left, get out of, get out of Joel, get out of Daniel and go to Ezekiel real quick. Where does the time go? Ezekiel 36, 27. I want you to see something. I'm going to give you a quiz. Ezekiel 36, 27. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to ask you a question. He says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So Ezekiel is talking about a time. Is this time Old Testament, time of Jesus, or post-Pentecost? It says, and I will pour out my spirit within you. When is that time going to be? Old Testament, time of Jesus, or post-Pentecost? Say it out loud. Post-Pentecost. He's telling you when the Holy Spirit will be within us who believe. And we will experience the person of the Holy Spirit. Personhood requires at least three things. Write these three words down. Thought will feelings thought will feelings when it comes to thinking the Holy Spirit thinks and he drives our thoughts write this down we don't have time make sure I'm not lying to you 1 Corinthians 2 11 through 13 Holy Spirit thinks and he drives our thoughts the Holy Spirit W-I-L-L. -L. He has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. We've already read this one. I'll read it again. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He wills it. Third, fills. Guys, put this one up because I want to close with this. This is Ephesians 4, 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve? It means to afflict with sorrow or sadness. What afflicts the Holy Spirit with sorrow and sadness is when we sin. It's when we ignore God. It's when we don't speak to God. It's when we don't listen to God by studying his word. Think about this. If you have a friend, a best friend, and you never speak to that, or that person never speaks to you, imagine you go to that person's house and ignore them. Imagine you wake up each day and that person's right there going, what do you want to talk about? And they don't even look at you. And when you do speak, they do not listen. Would that grieve you? You bet it would. God's Holy Spirit within us is speaking through his word. Are we listening? Do we come to his house to praise him and honor him and to experience him? Or are we just checking off the list that the stuff we're supposed to do today? Are you sinning? Are you living in sin? That grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it doesn't change our relationship. It doesn't break our relationship. Let me say it that way. I grieve my wife, my wife grieves me. We're still in a covenant of marriage, but we're not nearly as effective. When I've grieved her or she's grieved me, we're not nearly as effective as when we are living in peace and in step and in harmony with one another. And some of you, 
You've grieved the Holy Spirit and you're not walking in step with him. And there's no power in your life. There is no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control because you are grieving the Holy Spirit with your sin. You are grieving the Holy Spirit with your indifference and apathy. You have grieved the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to invite some of you to come and be saved because the Holy Spirit has convicted you. I want to invite some of you to come and repent because you have grieved the Holy Spirit, the person, and make your relationship right with Him. Some of you need help. God, the Holy Spirit, has a power like you would not believe. He's not a power, but He does have power. He can change a heart. He can resurrect what's dead. It's amazing. Why don't you come and ask Him to do a miracle. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, so much to be said, so little time, but I pray what has been said has been beneficial to your body. And now, Lord, we have just a few minutes to praise you and to also pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you're convicting some to be saved, that they will come get on their knees and repent and believe and be saved. I pray for some of your children, Father, who have grieved your spirit because of sin, because of indifference and apathy towards your purpose, towards your word, towards conversation with you in prayer. Some can't remember the last time they talked with you. They can't remember the last time they've been moved by you. Would you hear them now as they come to recommit themselves to you? And then, Lord, there's needs in this room. When Baird was talking earlier about, you know, are any are of you facing challenges and you need God to fight for you? Holy Spirit, you do that. So would you hear those who want to come now and ask you to be at work and to help guiding and providing? Come and pray.